In this episode, I'm joined by singer, songwriter, podcast host, music educator, and consultant Bree Noble. Uh, this was a fun episode because Bree and I were our were I literally found out about Bree through a couple of uh, former former guests on my podcast and um, and colleagues Casey Cardi and and Brianna Rellis. What I loved about Bree is that she you know kind of took the unconventional path. Uh, she had a very, you know, successful corporate career uh, that she left to pursue music. And prior to her doing that, she had really struggled for about 10 years trying to pursue it the old-fashioned way, and it just wasn't working. And she said, well, what if I mirrored my passion for business and then my passion for music and put it together? And so she... She she did that, and she married the two, and then she started to tour uh, with, you know, local Christian organizations and churches, uh, nonprofits to really that was catered towards, you know, single moms because she was raising a daughter at the time, and, and it was just a really cool way to have a, a built-in niche audience as well. Um, so that was pretty cool to find that out. And then she also expanded to the media space, with the creation of Women of Substance Radio, where she wanted to highlight quality female musicians that were making quality music, and which, you know, that has then also transitioned to a podcast as well, but they still play quality music on that podcast. And then she has also created, as an educator, she, um, before that, she created the Profitable Musician Podcast, where she teaches musicians how to tap into multiple streams of income, which then she created her signature framework called Musician's Profit Path that has been uh, things that she's presented at several music industry conferences, as well as a book on Amazon that lays out the framework also. And then... Um, She's also has several courses that she's created uh, called uh, How to Rock Your Next Music Release and Fe- the Female Musicians Academy, where again, she's just teaching how to really create your own, your own opportunities and do it your way. And she really wanted to focus on women because she wanted to give women a platform and a space to be able to talk about their experiences in the music business and kind of what they have to go through and 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 what they have what they ultimately want to accomplish so i hope you guys enjoy this episode Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Encourage and Inspire podcast, episode number 52. And I have a very special guest with me today. I'm somebody who I've been connected with for a while and followed. Um, and her name is Bree Noble. She is a, a singer, songwriter, music educator, music entrepreneur, so many different things that she's doing, primarily to help female musicians, which is a really cool uh, niche to kind of work through so I'm just glad for her to be here and for us to just have a great conversation and and get into her story but also get also just hold, hold, uh, teach because I like to use my podcast to interview people but at the same time teach at the same time 
So, Bree, thank you for being here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, we, you know, so, you know, we got connected. I think I discovered you. I know with Katie Zicardi and then with Brianna Rellis, um, cause they both been on my pod, both amazing people, uh, doing, doing so many amazing things. So I said, man, I, I would love to, and I'm on your email list and, and things like that. So I get a lot of your stuff. And I said, man, I would love to talk to her on my podcast. You know, this pod is called the Encourage Inspire Podcast. And I usually cover three silos. Either I talk about disability awareness, right? Or if I talk about music business topics, you know, I was born with a disability. I have cerebral palsy. So, and there's not a lot of people like me in the industry doing what I'm doing with the, the respect that I've earned throughout the industry and across the world with what I'm doing for independent artists. Mm. And then also the third thing is people's stories that encourage and inspire me. And so I love to, to just be able to find people that um, either check two out of the three boxes, sometimes all three boxes, you know? So it's just, that's just why I said, so it's a pleasure to have you. Um, so yeah. So, so where are you, where are you originally from? Uh, California, Northern California. I currently live in Southern California, um, which is I'm not, it's not necessarily my choice, but this is where I landed. So <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah, you know, I am originally from Brooklyn, New York, but mm. I was raised uh, in Orlando, Florida, which I still, which I still live here now. I've been here 29 years. Mm. Uh, I love it here. I don't really see. I mean, Orlando's not a music club. Obviously, we had. In the 90s, we had, you know, the big pop boom with NSYNC and all mm-hmm. that. But as far as a major music hub, you know, it's it's really not here. We have Full Sail University here. So a lot of kids, which I'm a grad of, you know, so a lot of people come here to go to Full Sail and then kind of branch out. But for me, it just kind of made sense being the fact of my support system is here for me to stay in Orlando. So I've, I've pretty much kind of just built, done my own thing. You know, I've been in the industry for a long time. You know, been doing this since 2004. Um, and I just really love education. Um, and that's what it's really morphed, morphed into for me. It's educating artists because that's, to me, that's what they're missing. You know, they're, they're missing. Our industry is an industry where everybody wants to go in, but nobody wants to get prepared or what it takes to be in this. <laughs> that's right. You know what I mean? And so I see it all the time. I said, you know, talent is great. But you have there's a certain there's a certain way to navigate the space, and so many of them don't. And then when it comes to coaching uh, and getting help, they always want to say, "Hey, well, you know what? Let me wait six months till I hire you." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm always like, "Well, by the time you wait six months, you'll have a shit ton of mistakes that I didn't have to freaking help you fix because you're releasing music." And not understanding what you're doing, you don't even, because I always say there's three things. There's the music industry, there's the music business, then there's the business of music. Three Mm. different things. You know what I mean? And so many people are chasing the industry. And I always tell people, you don't need the music industry, which you know this, to be successful in the music business. If you understand the business of music. And so, so many people are kind of, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. I built my music career outside of the music industry. 
You know, yeah. I wasn't, I, I, I gave up on the whole, I'm going to get famous or I'm going to get a, yeah. you know, a label to support me, or I'm going to get a manager or I'm going to yeah. get booked in these certain places. Like that was, you know, that was what I wanted when I was younger and yeah. that wasn't going so well for me. And then I was like, well, either I can have a career in music that looks a little bit different or I'm not going to have one at all. So I'm going to go for the one that looks a little bit different and work outside of the music industry. And that's how I built my whole career. So yeah, exactly. I totally get that. Exactly. And, and I definitely want to get into it a little bit later, but you're totally right. And I think that's the beautiful thing about, that's the beautiful thing about this era is you can do it your way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There is no, there is no one way to do it. If you can, you know, and, and, and so that's the beautiful thing. That's why age doesn't matter. Yep. That's why age has age doesn't matter anymore. You can be 75 years old if you want to do a record, if you know what you're doing. You know what I mean? And, and do that's pro- true. I have several students in their 70s and they're killing it. They're making still making really great music and they're out there performing and yeah. making money. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I would like to ask this question. You know, what are your earliest memories of music? I always ask this question all my guests. What do you remember about being introduced to music? Well, I was always singing, but like one story that comes up in my family is that, you know, I would always sing along with the radio and this is going to totally date me, but like one of my favorite songs when I was about three and I would sing it like everywhere, like I'd sing it in the middle of the grocery store sometimes was, Hey, did you happen to see the most beautiful girl in the world? And I would sing that like whenever anyone would let me, like I I was obsessed with like recording myself. I had like this little tape player, you know, that I would like press record and play at the same time and record myself singing and singing along with the radio. So those were kind of my first early memories of music. Wonderful. I love that. I love that. You know, it's always just when I ask that question, because I always get so many different answers. But, you know, (laughs) music music is something we cannot live without. I always tell people, you know, you can live without air conditioning. You can live without a lot of things, believe it or not. But music is something that people just can't live without. It's so impactful. You know, that's why what we do is so important because there's so many people that that want to uh, have, they want to express what's in their hearts and they want to tell stories to evoke emotion because you're in the emotion business. You know what I mean? A lot of people forget that. Everything is, it's emotion because everything in this business outside of the technical side you know, when it comes to recording, mixing, mastering, you know, production, that's objective. And you can, there's a standard for that. But once it's released to the marketplace, it's completely subjective. Mm-hmm. Nobody can tell you what somebody else is going to feel about it. Nobody can that's guarantee what somebody else is going to say about your music. You can have a decent idea, but if you're looking for guarantees, you're probably in the wrong space. <laughs> yeah no totally agree and like once you create that art and put it out there it's got a life of its own exactly exactly you know so um yeah so you had a very uh, successful corporate finance career like you said earlier, but then you decided you wanted to quit your job and pursue music and so like you were just saying earlier like you figured out that it wasn't going to look traditionally like what it what it what it what it what you want it to look like. And, and, mm-hmm. and to your defense, 25, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, you needed a record company. You couldn't, yep. you needed one. You know what I mean? It was just too expensive to do it any other way. You know, 
So, but obviously, you know, with advancing technologies and different things like that, like you said, you took the more unconventional route that looked a little bit different, but ultimately got to your goal. So, so what was the determining factor for you like when you decided, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this? Yeah, well, I mean, I had experimented and tried and done a lot of things and, and tried a, a lot of different like routes and it wasn't working. So that was like 10 years of while I was working in corporate. Yeah. And once I left corporate to raise my daughter and had a little bit more time to like think and focus. And I was just like, how would I build this if it was a reg- if it was a business, like a real business? Because right. at that point, I wasn't thinking of music as a business, although I had a degree in both music and business, I wasn't right. like putting them together. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, what would I do if I had like any other business? You know, like my mom was a decorative painter. How did she get clients? Or, you know, what if I owned a restaurant? How would I get people to come to my restaurant? And so I started thinking more of that way. And building relationships uh, amongst the fans that I already had and, and asking them, well, you know, do you know anyone that would be interested in this? And do you have any contacts here? And, you know, getting them all, you know, organized into a, a place where I could communicate them with, uh, communicate with them, like my email list and, um, you know, just really getting organized as a business versus just kind of throwing things out there and seeing if they would work, right. having a strategy behind it. Absolutely. No, definitely, definitely makes a lot of sense. And I think as music printers, you know, most creators' brains don't think like, you know, I'm building a business. They just, I make music, so mm-hmm. I want to be an artist. And it's just like, but if they just think differently, as you said, again, like, it's going to look different. It's not going to look like what you a conventional, the conventional career looks like. But the beautiful thing is you can build something really special because it doesn't take that many people, believe it or not. You know, people yep. people are trying to get to the millions and millions of fans. And record record companies, the reason why back in the days they cared about volume because they sold albums. So they didn't they didn't really know who people's number one supporters were and be able to upsell them on That's opportunities right. and different things like that, create VIP experiences and stuff. You didn't know, like you didn't know who, who Mary J. Blige, where her number one fan looked like. You would just say, okay, we just sold a million albums, two million albums, whatever. Because if you think about it, right, in any other industry, if you sell 100,000 units of a product, that's success. Yep. But where does the music industry decide to say, okay, well, you know, you're only successful in the old industry if you sell, if you go gold. Mm-hmm. Somehow somebody somebody decided that 500,000 units was was the minimal part of being successful. You didn't go at least sell her at least 500,000 units in the old industry. Somehow you were a flop. Somehow it just didn't. And I'm just like. Which is ridiculous. Like if we think about it as sense. indie. It's like, yeah. there are a thousand people listening to my music. That's awesome. Right. And it's you like, know? when you tell people, oh shit, well, you know, if I, if I don't have, if I didn't sell 500,000 units on my album, I failed. But in any other industry, if you got 500,000 people buying your product, you're successful. And so mm-hmm. uh, that part just never made sense. Like who decided that? Who decided that, you know, that you had to, that was the benchmark. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just yep. like, and, and, and even today you have people, and I'm not, I'm not 
against labels. You know, my artist, Xavier Keys, that I manage, you know, he, we've been independent for a while, but we kind of just signed a label services deal with a colleague of ours that we believe in. But we're still out here grinding, doing our thing. But so I'm not to say that against record companies, but I always tell people, like, it got to make sense that they have to believe in the vision. You know what I mean? Because if they don't believe in the vision, it just, it just doesn't make sense because you can build it. Because the only way for art, for, to my opinion, for independent artists to survive in this game today is you got to create a microeconomy. It's the only way. Yep. The, yep. You know what I mean? It's the only way because otherwise, could you just, there's the numbers don't give you the opportunity to get signed anymore and, and have a successful career. Just too, it's not enough labels and it's too many artists. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm a bit of a control freak, so I think I realized pretty early on as I was starting to like break away from that mindset of that yeah. I had to have a label. Is like I don't think it would go well if I got a label because Ugh. I don't want them telling me what to do and what kind of artistry I can make and you know right. Right. controlling my money. You know, exactly. that won't go no. well for me. <laughs> exactly, I don't know because I mean, and they've always built it to essentially fuck the artists. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's always just. And you just kind of knew that, but I think we're able to break molds now because everybody is building careers that just look different. You know, it just looks different. Yeah. And, and I think it, it's a that's a beautiful thing. That is such a beautiful thing. Um, so like I said, when you were touring, like and you as a singer songwriter, so what was what was some of your what was what was your what was your 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 tour looking like? Were you doing were you doing you know small venues, coffee shops, you know? When you were touring, what places did you go to? But I, yeah, I always I was, think about being global. So, you know, I was very non-traditional. So I was doing because I my music was um, Christian, inspirational, okay. singer, songwriter kind of stuff. Gotcha. I was doing churches. I was doing uh, community okay. groups. I was doing women's organizations, corporate organizations. Um, I was doing a, a group called mothers of preschoolers because I had a preschooler at that time ah, and they had okay. free babysitting. So that worked out well. Um, and so I could <laughs> tour and like bring my daughter with me and I, I had free babysitting, you know? So it was, it was, and it was, it was my absolutely perfect demographic, you know, people that would oh, yeah. understand my story and I could talk about, you know, my experience growing up and then my experience with having my own kids and stuff like that. And that was a lot of the program that I presented was like basically like my life story in song. No, that's awesome. And it was cool, but I basically have a built-in audience, you know, mm-hmm. that's, going oh, support, yeah. that's going to support you. And sometimes people, people, a lot of artists and creatives don't think about, like, especially for a cause that they really believe in. And if you focus on trying to find people connected to that, to that niche, to that cause, they're going to support you because yeah. there's, there's a, there's an unspoken bond if they everybody there believes in the same thing. So I, I love that. I love that. Yeah, and I did a lot of uh, several nonprofits too, and one of which is um, is the visually impaired organizations because I have actually I was born with glaucoma, so okay. I have grown up being visually impaired, and so I was able to perform at at their galas and things like that and be able to give a percentage of the money from selling CDs and merch to the organization. And so that was a great pairing. That's awesome. Well, there you go. So then you check all three boxes. Of I know. I, you, I know you didn't know that. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Um, 
Cool. And so then you, you expanded to the media space and you created a radio station called Women of Substance Radio. Like, so what, what, what made you decide to want to do that? Well, it, it started as a hobby, honestly. It started as like, I love to listen to female indie artists and I wanted okay. to make a playlist of those. And back then before streaming, there was no such thing as making a playlist. So right. there was online radio. And so that's right. what I came up with. And then I found that people were gravitating toward that, like random people were finding it and subscribing to it. And so then I was like, well, obviously I'm onto something and I really want to actually promote other indie female artists. Cause I felt like there wasn't enough platforms that were putting out their music. Right. And so I decided to expand it and take submissions. And then eventually we became a commercial station and we were, you know, we had, we were supported by ads. And then as the industry kind of moved more into podcasting, we became a podcast in 2014 and we've been a podcast ever since. So that podcast is still running. Um, I personally edited and recorded a thousand episodes before I handed it off um, to our current host, who is Beth Matthew, who works for me, um, works for my company. And so, you know, I, I, I like had my hand in all of it from a long time since 2007. And now I still am very much involved. I still choose all the music that we play. That's wonderful. That is awesome. You know, and, you know, female musicians, that's an interesting niche. I know you are some, that's something that you're really big on. Katie Zicardi's big on that, you know. Um, and what, why, what, you know, what, what was the reason you wanted to support specifically female musicians? Well, I mean, being a female artist myself, right. I, I was very yeah, aware. Besides that, the, besides yeah, besides the obvious, right? <laughs> I was very aware that when I would turn on the radio or listen to Sirius XM, like, I'm like, where are the women? You know, 80% of this is men. Mm-hmm. And there were surges of, you know, there was the Lilith Fair era and then, you know, maybe like another surge, especially of like country female artists and stuff. But I still felt like there wasn't enough representation and, you know, where I wanted them to have equal representation on the mainstream media, I thought, well, how can I do that? Maybe I can create a platform that highlights the best and then other people will hear them there and want to put them on these other in these other places. So, you know, it's it's almost like, well, you know, I'm being kind of exclusive on my platform, but that's only to elevate them to where other people can hear them and say, wow, I need to put them on my station or I need to, you know, put them on my Sirius XM channel. So I basically became a curator and I, and I got pretty well known as being a curator of really good music. And so, you know, a lot of labels and, and PR agents and stuff would approach us and want to get onto our platform because they knew that we were paying, playing quality music. That's great. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then, like I said, you mentioned podcasts earlier, but you're also the host of the Profitable Musicians podcast where you teach musicians as having the multiple streams of income, you know. And around that, you've also created the signature framework called the Musician Profit Path um, that has also been presented at several music industry conferences. Uh, ASCAP, I think you mentioned that, Taxi, a couple other ones. Um, as well as a book. So you kind of, is that correct? Yes. Yes. The Musician's Profit Path book is on on Amazon. And um, that was 
That was quite an experience writing a book and getting it all formulaically done into a, you know, a framework that yeah. I'm able to put into a book. And, and then of course, now that's like the basis for what I teach my students. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to possibly doing the same thing because I created a framework called the Genesis of Superfan Thing because mm. what I, what I figured out was, so my mission, my message is core audience, everything core audience, because that's the only real way that, um, you can survive in the game today. Yep. And so I created, you know, which I'm in the process of, of, of hopefully going to be turning into a course, but also kind of started the ebook about it, which I have to finish up. But basically what it is, it's, it's, it's really about creating a brand position. And then, because everything starts on social media. So the process mm-hmm. I created was, let's figure out who you are as a brand, your brand voice, brand equity, brand position statement, you know, the community you want to serve, who you are, watch somebody care. After that, we go into the the the, the buyer fan persona or the character analysis, or, or we don't, everybody calls it something different, but it's the same mm-hmm. thing. And then after that, that all that is is to create your, your strategy plan for social media. And I think so many people don't do these things because everybody just tries to run the social right away or they try to scale quickly with ads. I'm like, y'all need foundation first. And I think mm-hmm. that's, that's why I see a lot of the a lot of the young artists trying to skip steps. Yeah. Because they I never, agree. when I take them through my little problem, like, this is not stuff that I made up. This is stuff that a lot of us all teach the same thing. We may call it something different, mm-hmm. but it's all the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and so many of them have, haven't even done when you talk about brand positioning and, and, and what that is and, and brand equity and brand voice and stuff like that. They have no clue. If some of this stuff, some of the stuff really is. I really do believe in frameworks of you know because because majority of the artists that are in the marketplace today will never sign to a label or major label or any kind of indie label. So they're going to need these these frameworks and these structures to so they can kind of make it and make it how they want to make it. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, totally agree. I, that's definitely a big part of my framework as well. Yeah. So very cool. Um, you know, I want to end the episode kind of talking about, you also created some several programs, you know, um, called, uh, what do we have here? The Female Musician Academy, Rock Your Next Release. I think you have a couple other ones, right? Yeah, I can't help myself. I love teaching. So yeah, Yeah. I have a lot of um, things that are out there, but basically the main thing I've got my Female Musician Academy, it's a specifically a community and, and, um, you know, coaching community for female artists. So I wanted to have a place where females could gather, could collaborate, could, um, you know, share things that they were dealing with in their career, get their questions answered and feel like it was a a safe place where, you know, we can share among women. And like, it's so hard to walk that line of like, I don't want people to think that I'm like a male basher or anything. I'm not, (laughs) I just, I like, I like having a place that's just for women. And I know some people, they don't feel like they need that, but a lot of the people that I work with, they just really enjoy that communing with other women. And we do, I do think that we do deal with things in the music industry that are a little different from, from men, you know, particularly 
as we get older, you know, that feeling that like, you know, it's all about being young and beautiful and, you know, is my music good enough to, to overcome the fact that I'm now 55, you know, (laughs) that kind of thing. And, and so, you know, we do deal with a, a lot of insecurities. We all do. Yeah. And I'm not yeah. saying men don't either, but I, I, there are just ones that are, I think, specific to women that it's great to have a place where you can talk openly about those things. I totally agree. No, and it's true because if the path, just in life, you know, women are different from men. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think, I think we forget that because I think, <laughs> I think, no, because you have a lot of, you have a lot of women, to, you have a lot of, it, life has never been designed, you know, not to get super religious here. But life has never been designed for men and women. You're having an audio issue. Okay. Suddenly, I lost your audio. Yeah, so we just had a couple of technical difficulties. We're back. Uh, but what we are saying was that... You know, like you were saying, mentioned earlier that, you know, you, women, you want to create a safe space for women. And I think that's interesting because your experiences for women in, in the industry and in life versus men, it's different. It's supposed to be different. Mm-hmm. And I think we have a lot of people who like, we almost want to blur the lines now of like men and women should have the same experiences and they shouldn't have the same experiences because it's never been that way. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's that. I think we're seeing, and and you know, hopefully this isn't offensive, but we're seeing a lot of women who want to almost be in the men's space, and it's like, why do you want to do that? You know, you know what I mean. Or like, it, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you, you have different experiences for a reason, but we don't we don't know as men doesn't we don't know what it's like to be women and what you guys have to deal with. In areas that we have no, we have no clue of. Just like as women, you have no clue what the spaces are for what men have to deal with. That's you know, right. so I think it's 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 different I, pressures, it's different emotions, it's, you know, all those things that we go through that are a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's great that you created that community where people could feel open to be honest. You know, because it's tougher. It's tougher for women because. If you're doing, you know, let's be real. There's only four ways you pay people in this business. And I've mentioned this all the time. It's money, it's barter, it's relationship, and it's sex. So for, if you're dealing with the industry, the industry it's, just a, it's only four ways. I took you this all, and I do, and I don't operate that way. I'm just saying that's just what it is. You know what right. I mean? When you're, uh-huh. dealing with the music, when you're dealing with the music industry, and I said earlier in, my, in our conversation, you don't need the music industry to be successful in the music business. But if you're chasing the industry, that's what you're going to deal with. So because nothing's free out here. So, so, you know, I don't operate in that non-integral space. If I'm doing, if we're doing business, I keep it business. I keep it professional. That's just the way I work. But let's be real. Those lines often get blurred. And this is why you see, you know, artists like a summer Walker who ends up having a, having a baby with her producer by because they're in the studio all the time and they talk about love and emotions and things like mm. that. And it's natural to, to eventually become attracted to that person just because of in the nature of the nature of, of the environment that you're in. This happens all the time. <laughs> it happens quite a bit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so it's just the nature of, of the space. This is music. It is a non-traditional space. It wouldn't necessarily happen 
in the corporate space like that, but in our space when you're constantly in the studio for oh, hours. Oh, it happens in the corporate space too, for sure. Oh, well, yeah, I stand corrected. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but when you spend so much time with people and talking about emotions, because you're in the emotional business, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's inevitable for those type of things to happen. So those lines get blurred. Yep. Those lines get blurred, and you're, and you're right. They get blurred in, in pretty much any environment, but definitely in our industry, they get really get blurred. So you got to be careful. So I like the fact that you created an, an environment where women feel open to be honest about the things that they're dealing with and, and struggles. Because no two no two artists' path is ever the same. And I always preach that. You know, nobody can get if there was a straight line to success, we'd all go down the same straight line. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? So, and this has been a great episode, Bree. Um, before we leave, where, how can people connect to you? Uh, how can they get access to your, obviously to your book and, th- and to your courses, everything you're telling Absolutely. So many things we talked about. So yeah, my book is on Amazon, uh, The Musician's Profit Path by Bree Noble. Um, I would love for you guys to listen to my podcast, which is The Profitable Musician Show. That's profitablemusician.com. And then the women of substance, what we just talked about, if you're a female artist and you've got music, you want to submit to us, wosradio.com. We have a podcast that comes out three times a week where we feature, uh, you know, original music by indie artists. And then of course, connect with me on social. The best place is on Instagram, uh, profitable musician, LLC. Wonderful. And I'll make sure those links are connected in the show notes that we just mentioned so they can get to that. Uh, man, it's been a pleasure to have you as my guest and love what you're doing and definitely stay connected. And I'm excited to for people to hear this episode. And guys, this has been your host, Darrell Peart. Until next time, I'm out of here. Peace. <laughs>